0: Saturn coming in as Bloom do it that. Cider that and over at that flame bench there's all kinds of excitement going on
1: there. Scores roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan?
0: Okay, let's do it. Let's get this hour underway. It is Wednesday, January 24th, and yes, this hour of Flames Talk getting going with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. It is Steinberg along with you on the Sports Drive, which is brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit slash doors. Well, on on what has been a a very heavy day where um, uh, a lot of just straight-up hockey talk does seem a little trivial. Um, We're definitely uh, aware of all that. I did think there was uh, some pretty... I don't know. That was an encouraging on-ice practice for the Calgary Flames. I'll say that much. Um, And I say that because this Oliver Shillington return-to-play story has, like, kicked into another gear. It went from slow and steady to now the American League conditioning loan, and now at some point he's gonna get back to practicing with the team to what? he was on a pairing all practice with Jordan Osterley at, at at Wednesday's practice. He was that pairing was rolled out as the number three pairing every single time. It went Hannafin and Tanev then Weger and Anderson and then Shillington and Osterley, all three times. And then Gilbert D Simone was the fourth pairing every single time. Nick D Simone is now on waivers as we're talking here on this Wednesday afternoon. If you're listening live with us, the clues are adding up and, and just doing some sniffing around. And, and I, I think that there, I I do not think it is out of the question that we see him play before the end of this homestand. Like, eh, I don't think there's any guarantee because you're still consulting with Oliver and there's there's a lot of things that have to happen physically to get the, the check mark good to go. But I think there's a real chance he gets in Thursday or Saturday before this homestand ends. I think there's a real chance that we see him back in NHL action at some point this week. And the fact that I can even say that and the fact that I can be sitting here talking about it with you and you're not saying, slow down, slow down. That's awesome yeah the the clues are pointing that way. some of the cues that you're hearing are pointing that way I don't know I, I think we're at the point now where it's it's bordering on coach's decision. that's how close this is to him getting into the lineup so that is awesome and wh- whether it happens or not, the fact that we can have that conversation just shows how far this thing is coming, and good on him it's
1: it's good it's good to see you know I, I'm already looking forward to and I get goosebumps just thinking about the reception Oliver Shillington will receive in his first game back at the Dome. whether that's his first game back period and as you said signs are certainly pointing that it's not far-fetched to think we see him before the end of this homestand but just whenever that is I, I really can't wait to be in the building and see the reception that I know the Sea of Red is going to give to Oliver Shilling. Yeah. When you talk about the hints today, I you know, I watched what you did. I I saw what you did and I was still I, I guess partially because of Jordan Osterley's play on, on the winning goal last night and, and the fact that his coach did say afterwards, well that's not a very good gap on that shot. And you know that's a, a that's a contributing factor uh to that puck winding up in the back of the net. When I saw Osterley and Shillington today, I just thought, okay, well, Osterley comes out, De Simone eight. goes back in. There's your, there's your seven eight. As, uh, as Oliver continues to work toward his return, only stands to reason that he's skating with the guy who's not going to be in the lineup. And then when I saw the news that Nick De Simone was on waivers, that's when it was like, oh, oh, okay, hang on a second. This is, this is now getting into the territory where the Calgary Flames are about to go down to having seven defensemen, including Oliver Schillington on their roster. And who knows what we'll see at morning skate tomorrow. Uh, it, It certainly wouldn't be the first time in hockey history that the pairings or lines changed between practice and the game day, but just The fact you know we we chatted about it and and I don't even remember if it was yesterday or the day before but we we've been chatting all week about okay you know that this is happening now it's close it just feels normal to use Oliver's word from Monday to to see him out there and yeah it we're right on the the brink of number 58 being announced as part of the Calgary Flames game lineup and and what a feel-good story and uh you know, on a day that we could use some feel good stories yeah. in the hockey world, the um and, and the fact that like I, I think it comes down to okay,
0: all the all the mental check marks that that and and signposts that the Flames and Oliver and the medical staff have been monitoring and going through, um, it feels like those just continue to be hit off, and yeah, this this next hurdle cleared, this next test passed all that type of stuff. Physically, he's played two pro games now. He got into a game at home. He got into a game on the road with the Wranglers. He now has two full practices and a morning skate under his belt with the Flames. He has plenty of practices now with the Wranglers. They're off for a week plus after Saturday. They, they play on Saturday. They don't play until the following Tuesday. Tuesday in Boston, right? And they practice Monday in Boston. So if you're Calgary... There is I think lots of reason to say that maybe we wait until after the all star break, and there are just as many reasons to say that let's get him in now, get him some game action now so that he's got it going into the all star break and and i'm not I'm not a doctor i'm not uh I'm not Rick in the strength and conditioning crew i'm I'm not an expert on that stuff, but I think from the outside you're like, well you could make perfect arguments on either side as yeah. to what's better for the player. It's all it's all based on where the player is. And with my two eyeballs that are, are aided by these glasses, but with my two eyeballs, like, he has looked right up and on the pace in his two full practices. I haven't sat there and looked like, oh, Oliver's got to get his legs back, or he looks way behind, or he is gassed after every drill. All the things that Megan Mickelson said about how, like, Yeah, it takes a few days, but you're an elite athlete. You get back there. It feels like that's what we're seeing right now. So I guess what I would say is um, I think there is a decent chance we get to see him before the All-Star break, and that's an awesome story. And also, what a huge boost it could be for this hockey team as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and we keep reiterating, but I, I think it's important to mention every single time Oliver Shillington is, is leading this return to play process in terms of the Calgary Flames continue to be completely supportive and completely committed to letting Oliver tell them, here's what I'm comfortable with now. Here, okay, how did this go? Here's what I'm comfortable with now. And so the fact we're having this conversation, the fact that we're noticing all those signs starting to add up means that, Oliver keeps nodding his head and saying, yeah, I thought that went well. Let's, yep. let's go, let's keep going. Here's what I'm ready for now. And and I really do think that's the very best part of this. Yeah. And, and yeah, he's a hell of a hockey player. They've missed him. And, and isn't that, I, you know, I, I said this to my colleague, Danny Austin earlier today, we've been talking about Oliver Shillington, the person for the past 20 months. And I guess not 20 months because we didn't know right away that he'd be on leave, but we've been talking about Oliver Shillington, the person for so long and, and for good reason, that's what we should have been talking about. But as you and I discussed earlier this week, we can talk about Oliver Shillington, the player. It It's yep. not yep. premature now to be talking about what his return might mean to the lineup. It's not premature to talk about, well, what, who would you pair him with? How many minutes, you know, could he work in the, the first few games? What sort of game do you look to Get him into first, again, if he's ready. Do you want it against a team like the Blackhawks, who maybe aren't as tough an opponent as the Boston Bruins would be on, 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 on the, the road, Tuesday, right? Yeah. And and so we can have those conversations. Maybe someone's shaking their head thinking, no, 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 it's too soon for that. And and that's, that's fair. That's your opinion. But I, I really believe it's not premature to talk about Oliver Shillington, the hockey player. And that's the best part.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I don't, and I don't think it's premature to talk about him playing this week. I really don't.
1: No, um, it's not.
0: And and maybe it's Thursday against Columbus, maybe it's Saturday against Chicago, but with the signs that we're seeing, with just some of the the buzz that you're hearing, and trying to keep your ear to the ground and talking to people, I just, yeah, I'm, I would actually be a little, a little surprised if it didn't happen at this point. And and that's not to say if it doesn't that it's that 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 it's disappointing. He's ready when he's ready. And if it's not until Feb six in Boston, then that's when he's ready. Mm-hmm. But I think I think just on the outside and and talking to a couple of people a little closer to it, I think every time that he gets out there, I think Oliver just takes another step in terms of this is where I belong and I'm so happy to be back where I belong. And, and what I mean by that is the guy belongs in an NHL locker room. He belongs with the group. He belongs in an NHL hockey game. This is, this is what he was born to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it took a, it took a pause cause he went through a hellish stretch. And now that that hellish stretch is starting to be put behind him. It's like, this is, you, you remember where you, where you belong. And, and, I just think that's so awesome.
1: So yeah, and it, I think good he, for him. The way you put it earlier is, it feels like he's kind of getting into coaches' decision territory. Well, here's what we know about hockey coaches: if someone goes to Ryan Huska and says, "Hey, um, yeah, that guy over there, number fifty-eight, yeah, the guy who skates like the wind, yeah, that that's the one. The guy who, you know, is really good at transporting the puck out of his own zone, yeah, yeah, that that's the." Guy we're talking about. You know, maybe the best skater on our blue line. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Number fifty eight. Yeah. Ready to use him. He says he's ready when when you're ready to put him in. I'm not delaying too long.
0: Yep. And I mean, you're at home. You know he's gonna get an incredible response. Yeah. You know the team's gonna get a lift from it. Don't you
1: get chills thinking about it? Absolutely.
0: It just puts a huge smile on your face when, as you said earlier, you could really use a smile on your face uh in the in the hockey world on, on
1: this Wednesday.
0: So um yeah, I uh I'm I'm just really happy that we can be talking about this. I'm really happy that we're going to go to we're going to go to morning skate on Thursday and it could very well be an optional morning skate and we won't find out until uh guys start coming into the locker room. But like the number one thing I'm going to be watching for on Thursday is when Oliver comes off the ice. And if he's out there getting bag-skated again, then the same thing will be on Saturday. Um when when they probably do a full morning skate against the Chicago Blackhawks. So, good on him. I uh I'm I, it 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 does it just puts a huge smile on your face thinking about what that's all going to be look like. You know damn well that whenever he's ready, Huska's putting him in the starting lineup and that whether whether Oliver's announcing the starting lineup or Huska is is doing it in the room, sure it'll get posted on Twitter and all like just it uh, gives you chills. Yeah. As as this text comes in Oliver Chillington. I like that. Yeah, I love it. Because he will be whenever he gets in. Um, so then there's the other player on waivers, and that's Adam um, I This is a tough one to, in its entirety or, or totality, wrap your head around. Because yeah. there, there has been such a push to try to make this work in the organization and and try to make Adam into the player that we all see. Can be a really good player so does he does he get claimed on waivers what's your What's your feel on that? You go first. what's your guess? I'm going to
1: say no, yeah I'm going to say he clears. That's just my guess though. you know i i want to I want to preempt this by saying that if I guessed on all waiver guys, I'd probably be batting about uh, I don't know three for a thousand in uh in my lifetime i'm not very good at figuring out which guys are about to be plucked off the uh off the waiver heap and yet i sort of think we're talking tomorrow about adam of another nhl organization i just think the skill set and the power forward frame is so is going to be so appealing to a team that might need some offense that I I do think someone puts in a claim. There's, there's not a lot of salary cap hit there, right? 762,500, I believe is, is that AAV, which was uh, basically as low as you're going to get in in the NHL these days, pretty well the league minimum. So for that reason, I, I think there's some appeal there. He's one of those guys like, if we were sitting doing radio or podcast in another city, we're saying, well, there's, this is really low risk, right? Potentially high reward. You're grabbing a guy with, with very intriguing tools for free off the, off the heap. And so the more I think about it, and although I certainly understand why the flames are frustrated to no end with what Adam Ruzicka has done, And maybe more so what he hasn't done on a consistent basis. The fact that he just, they haven't known what they're getting from him on a night to night basis. I get all that, but I, I do. I, my guess is, yeah, he gets claimed tomorrow. So if that ends up happening, do we look back at this as, as
0: I'm curious how we look at it. Is it poor asset management? I, I don't think so. I know that, Sometimes, you know, I, I thought. I think that you can look back and say they handled so Mackey poorly. I really can, I, I, and
1: I think I would go one step further and say you'd be, you'd be kidding yourself to look back and say something otherwise.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think they bungled the Valimaki situation, and I know that so he's he's a healthy scratch right now in Arizona. I get that, um, but I, I do think that they bungled that one, and so. In that case, you can look back on it and say, yeah, they probably could have handled that differently, and losing him for nothing probably is a, uh, a failure on the organization. But this one, I don't know what more the organization could have done to make it work with Adam if he does get claimed. Because they, they saw all of the stuff that we do. Mm-hmm. The, the size, the, the strength, the skill, the offensive IQ, all of what goes into the positive parts of what, why I think Adam Rzyczka and why last year I had such a good feeling about this guy maybe being found gold here. They saw it more than I did. They're closer to it. But I mean, I give, I give Daryl Sutter and Brad Tree Living credit. They tried it last year. And so far this year, I think Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska have gone out of their way to try to make it work as well. And so if he does end up getting claimed on waivers, I will not be looking back on it and saying, boy, the Flames really bungled that one. Because I I think they gave it their best Mm -hmm. shot. And then there comes a point where you're like, okay, maybe it's just not going to work here.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and, and maybe this is a guy who benefits from a change of scenery. And, you know, maybe I don't think he's the next... Sam Bennett but you know Sam Bennett finally gets traded out of Calgary they they were really really loath to give up on Sam and and then finally forced somewhat by the impending expansion draft at that point they finally do and you know Sam's kind of blossomed into the player in Florida that the Calgary Flames always hoped he'd be and yet I'm not sure Sam Bennett was ever becoming that player in Calgary it just it just wasn't working here yep. and so you know could Adam Rizicka go to one of the bottom feeders let's say of the NHL could he, could he wind up in in a situation where they're willing to put him on the second line and give him a ton of runway and put him on their top power play and have a really strong finish to the season absolutely he could because Adam Rizicka has all the skills to capitalize on that opportunity but If he gets claimed tomorrow and there's one text saying that they didn't give him ample opportunity to prove what he could be in a Flames jersey, uh, I'll LOL all afternoon. Because this is a guy who's had arguably more runway than anyone on the active roster.
0: Yeah. And I think you can make the case that they maybe didn't handle Bennett the entire way through properly and that they played a part in it getting to the point where he ended up getting traded and they played a part in him not reaching his potential here that he has in Florida I think that's very fair I just don't think that that would be the, the that you can really point to that when it comes to Ruzichka. I mm-hmm. mean
1: totally agree
0: Daryl Sutter has taken tons of lumps here Daryl's the one who put him on the on the top line with Lindholm last year and did so for an extended period of time and it worked for a little bit and then it didn't and so, so Daryl Sutter and Brad Tree Living, they, they, they can take plenty of lumps for other things that they didn't necessarily hit the check mark on during their 10 years here. But that one, I think that they gave ample opportunity in the prior regime to, to Adam. And so far in this regime with Craig Conroy and, and Ryan Huska, I think they've done the same. And so maybe he does end up reaching more of his potential if he ends up getting claimed. Yeah, I th- I think it's absolutely
1: possible. I mean, but that's not to your point. It wasn't happening here,
0: no. Despite Calgary's, what I think
1: are Calgary's uh, best. Efforts. I I I mean, I guarantee Adam Ruzichka's agent has been working the phones all afternoon trying to find an organization that's willing to give him an opportunity in a top six or top nine slot, and working the phones saying, "Hey, you should take a chance on this guy." He You know, look at the skills, look at the size, look at the strength, look at the motivation he should have after being placed on waivers. And yet you mentioned Daryl Sutter. Well, what was, what was Daryl a stickler for above all else? Consistency. He wanted players that he knew what he was going to get from them. And that going all the way back to what made him a fourth round draft pick in the first place has not been Adam's strong suit. He, his, his, his knock, like the knock on Adam, has always been inconsistency. And that's why he's on the waiver wire today. That's why he's been on the fourth line. That's why he hasn't been able to take advantage of the ample opportunity he's had to become more than a fourth liner for the Calgary Flames. And and I just, I know I'm repeating myself, but you know who helped make this decision for Craig Conroy and the Flames today? Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil. And Soon to be these Jacob guys Pelche. who have come in and said, Hey, I'm going to do that job better. Good on him.
0: And you did drop a little nugget on us on Tuesday's show. You, uh, you still believe that, uh, Jacob and this weekend in, in California for the Wranglers is trending in that direction. You, uh, you kind of dropped that very, very not subtly, but you said, what well, I said on Tuesday, I uh I think you said I can pretty much guarantee or I strongly yeah. believe that Jacob Pelche will be playing this weekend for the Calgary Wranglers. They start off a well, they continue seven straight on the road, but they start a five game road trip this weekend in California. Uh plan is for Pelche to go?
1: They they've been sort of waiting for Jacob to just signal that he has the confidence that he can take the the contact on a surgically repaired shoulder that, you know, it's not gonna impact and, and he's a guy my my colleague Danny Austin wrote about him saying, hey, I, I can't play scared out there. You know, I the way I need to play, I need to be in the corners. I, so I can't be scared of getting re-injured. And so they've wanted to be patient with Jacob to make sure he had the the right runway to come back. But I'll be, uh, one of my favorite words coming down the pipe here, I will be gobsmacked if Jacob Pelche doesn't play at least one game for the Rangers Kay. this weekend.
0: Good for him. And there's another guy that, Once he gets into a few games at the Wranglers, you can start to think about how the Flames are going to work him in. And if all of a sudden there's a waiver claim with Adam, or he clears waivers and you have that flexibility, well, there's your opening right there.
1: Ryan Huska wants to rebuild this fourth line, something fierce. And we're watching some guys audition for it now, but... Kevin Rooney's going to get a, a look in there. I'm sure at some point, Jacob Pelche is certainly going to be a factor in that conversation. If Walker Dewar reshapes his game the way they're anticipating he will, he's going to be back in the mix. Like, Ryan Huska has in mind what he needs from his fourth line, what that needs to look like. He's not getting it right now. This This feels like training camp in some ways to me. Like, these auditions right now on the fourth line are wide open. Yep. It is
0: Pat and Wes underway this hour on Talk. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate.
1: You're locked on Talk. Only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: All right, let's go inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer today. It's Steinberg with you, and we go inside hockey by saying hello to our Pacific Division Insider. We say hello to Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us on Wednesdays to spin us around this ever-changing Pacific Division. Hello, J.D. How we doing?
2: We're doing fine, Pat. How are you and West doing? Today? We are. Uh, we're hanging in there. We're doing all right.
0: Um, you know the the Flames sustained a gut punch loss at the same time as the Oilers won their 14th straight. So that's that's about as that's <laughs> about as well as we're doing down here. Uh, let's get it out of the let's let's spin around the Pacific and get it out of the way now. Uh, yeah, the, the this this is now starting to move into historical type areas when it comes to the Oilers, who have now won 14 in a row, my friend.
2: <laughs> it's un- unbelievable. I mean, to think about where they were and where they've come uh, and the way they're doing it. I mean, you know, they're, they're now the new Winnipeg Jets with this run of with now 12 consecutive games giving up two goals or less. And, you know, they're getting guys like Fogle has been a big contributor during this win streak. I mean, he's got, like, he had at least eight assists during – I don't remember if he scored last night. I know he had eight assists going into the game last night. And I mean, Hyman's had ten goals, and McLeod's had seven goals. And so, you know, this is something that's very un-Edmonton-like that they're getting this from guys at the bottom of the lineup and very un-Edmonton-like that they finally figured out how to play defense. It's taken a long time but they finally figured it out.
0: Yeah, this run of uh, two or fewer goals is pretty stupid as well. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're – and, and, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Jack Michaels uh, prior to the game on Saturday, the Battle of Alberta game, and, you know, Jack was just saying that, you know, they, it might not be until the All-Star break that they, uh, they end up losing with who they've uh, – what they've got going before the break. And I was like, yeah, shut up, Jack you know whatever jack uh and 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 i I love Jack michael so I, I say that tongue in cheek but I mean they they've got more winnable games ahead of them here that's the scary part
2: yeah, I mean look you got Columbus now you have Nashville who they've lost to they did lose to Nashville earlier in the year um but yeah, I mean there's no reason why they they can't win out in these last two games uh you know uh it, it, it's it's mind boggling and and what it's done to Look, the team that, that I'm, you know, uh, I'm uh, follow quite closely in the L.A. Kings. You know, what's w- made it even worse for L.A. during this miserable run of 11 of 13 losses is what the Oilers have done. Because, I mean, L.A. is, yeah, they are. I don't, I don't think that they're. I still think they are. will they'll, they'll find a way to make the playoffs. I think they're still the fourth best team in the division. But the L.A. Kings have fallen back uh, with this incredible run by the Oilers.
0: What's going on with the uh what's going on with the Kings? And it just I, I watched almost that whole game against San Jose and yeah, they they were able to come back and sorry. they tied the game late. But what, what is going on with LA right now? You know, they did you by the way, did you say did you say sorry for watching that game? I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, it was not it was not I mean, my favorite game I've ever seen, that's for sure.
2: I mean, well, you know, look, the, there, there were, there were definitely spurts that that were entertaining. Um, I thought the first half of the game was kind of like a preseason game, the way it was being played. I mean, look, you know, you can say they're squeezing sticks too tightly; I mean, they can't finish. There's that, that is a big problem. I mean, you know, they did score three goals in that game. You know, albeit the, the third one coming, you know, with with uh, with the goalie being pulled, but you know past some of the parts is greater than any one individual there's no superstar on this team so when they were going really well everybody was playing really well and right now you know their best players are just not doing or not being their best players i mean trevor moore scored again and that's what 21 for him and that's remarkable but you know he's got 21 goals and you know not that many you know probably i think half the amount of assists and you know, Adrian Kempe has been in a major goal drought, um, and Anze Kopitar is 36. And you know, I heard Jeff and Elliot talking about the fact that you know could he be injured? I just think it's, I don't think he's injured because his faceoff numbers, you know, outside of one game against Detroit during this losing streak, the numbers are still really good. So if he's battling some sort of shoulder injury or arm injury, it's not reflective in that area. You know, I'm not seeing it. I just 36 years old, and, and, you know, you can't count on a 36-year-old to keep leading the team. It just shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got the obvious issues with Dubois. Um, I mean, that, that's that been just an absolute train wreck. Uh, and so they're, they're just – there's no jump in their game. I mean, that, that game against San Jose, they should have come out in that game trying to steal – you know, the lunch money of every Sharks player in that, that game right from the start. And it just wasn't there. And it's, it's, it's very disappointing um, if you're a Kings fan to watch what's going on.
0: It's almost must win territory against Buffalo Wednesday night. Like, you can't, you can't I, I know the Sabres have, no, have
2: got some high they've got to beat the Sabres. Well, you know, look, the numbers are in their favor. They, they've they beaten Buffalo eight of the last ten, at least in Los Angeles. And they got a Buffalo team on the back end of a back-to-back. And Buffalo's lost five of seven this year on the back end of a back-to-back. So there are numbers that favor the L.A. Kings. It Look, it was a must-win against San Jose. Like, you know, thank God that, uh, you know, that Todd McClellan and Rob Blake are in Los Angeles and they're not somewhere – in Canada, because, you know, uh, th- there's just no noise. I mean, it's, it's really quiet. And maybe the only thing that's saving, you know, and the thing with this team, Pat, is that I, I don't see how they can th- – this, the, this is the roster. Like, I, I saw that uh, Spitting Chicklets guy said, you know, put out Jacob Chickren to L.A. Well, I, I, I don't know how that happens, and I don't know how that makes this team better. Um, so they're going to have to try to find a way to get through with this roster, get themselves hopefully into a playoff spot and hope they can hit the reset button because, you know, they're capped out like they don't they, they can't they you know, it's got to be dollar in dollar out pretty much. Mm-hmm.
0: We are chatting with Jonathan Davis. He is our Pacific Division insider. He joins us on Wednesdays inside hockey here on Flames Talk. Let's, uh, let's head to Vegas, who uh, that's a big win uh, as a, a game Islanders team and on the road uh, against Patrick Waz, New York Islanders. Big rebound game for the, uh, for the Golden Knights after that disappointing loss to New Jersey. That was a, a solid 3 2 win for him.
2: It was. And so what you see in Vegas, what you saw for the Vegas Golden Knights last night, uh, you know, Tuesday is compared to what you saw from the LA Kings Monday. That was a team in Vegas that got called out by their coach on Monday night. Talked about, this was like a beer league game. The players disrespected the game against New Mm -hmm. Jersey. You're up five, you know, you're up five, three, and you lose six, five in overtime. And just a a lot of guys playing very irresponsible. So what do they do the next night? They tighten things up. They go out and they beat the, the, the Islanders three, uh, two that to me is a mature hockey team that understands it and has got guys has leaders that take control. And, you know, so yeah, very impressive, you know, impressive what they did for them to get, you know, they got Aiden Hill back. So now they've got their two starting goalies for now, both healthy. Uh, and then today, a nice little uh, excursion for the Golden Knights. His owner, Bill Foley, took the team to his alma mater, West Point. And so, uh, you know, just a, a nice relaxing day and, and something to reward the guys after yeah. an, a, a nice victory.
0: Um, okay, so they get Aiden Hill back, which is one of the key players that was out for injur- uh, with injury. Uh, they still have a ton yeah. of players out, though, and they've got a, a tough road trip that is continuing for them, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they've got the Rangers who they who they beat already once in Vegas, and and a Rangers team that, I mean, it, it, look, that game last night in San Jose, that that was a that's a, a real hard one to swallow. That I was worse. I, I think that was worse than the in many respects than the L.A. game. I mean, you're up two nothing going to the third period of the Rangers, and and they fall apart. So, you know, they are going to get um, a, a PO'd Rangers team, uh, and then they got the Red Wings who. Uh, you know, are, are are making life miserable for a lot of teams and working their way to a playoff spot. So, no, it, it's not easy. But, Pat, at the end of the day, you know, when you look at what's going on with the Golden Knights, it, it's uh, – I, I wouldn't – you know, if they come away with only two or four points, if they can find a way to do that, I think that's really, for them, all that matters. They're, they're trying to survive this stretch without Carlson, without Jack Eichel, without mm-hmm. Shea Theodore, without Ben Hutton. Um, And look, they've had guys step up, you know, a former, another former King helps out the golden Knights last night, Sheldon Rempel, um, an AHL call up with all the injuries scored his first NHL goal last night. You had the Brendan Brisson moment on Saturday night against Pittsburgh. And, you know, there's another example. You have a golden Knights team that's down two nothing in the third to Pittsburgh. And what, you know, and, and they had been going through a bit of an, you know, a, a bad stretch, and they rally in the third. And then last night, by the way, I think they snapped a, a six or a seven game road losing streak. So I, I, I'm I'm not concerned with Vegas because I just, I see the way this team reacts at key times and they, under, you know, for them, they understand the process. Unlike what's going on here in Los Angeles.
0: Let's uh, wrap things up in Vancouver as uh, they move towards their break, JD and, so if they win their final two games, am I correct that they will be they, they will be within 11 points of what they finished yeah. with last year and that's yeah. at the all-star break.
2: Like do we does talk it just get coach of the year right now? I mean, yeah. it, it, it is remarkable. Yeah. It, it it's phenomenal <laughs> what's going on in Vancouver. Now, look, you know, they talked about it last night on on the broadcast or or two nights ago on Monday Night Hockey um with Anson and David Amber and Justin. And I, I know I'm for, I'm forgetting somebody, but the point that was that Anson Carter, I think was making that night was that, look, you've got a bunch of guys that are, are, you know, with 20% shooting percentages right now, they've got five. Like I looked at Colorado today, they got zero, Um, you know, and and Petey's at 19.4. So, you know, the thought almost five guys, Well, no, they have five. They almost have six. Almost have six guys. Yeah. At shooting at 20%. And I think another one's around 17. I mean, so the idea that this is sustainable, I mean, I I, I see where the the pushback is. Um, But the one thing that, you know, look, watching that game Saturday night against Toronto, uh, I, I think, Pat, they lose that game a year ago. You know after blowing a three nothing lead and and Demko gave up some goals that you know were were pretty ugly um, but they find you know they find a way to come back and they don't get down and they win and that's like that to me is where coaching matters and uh, so yeah the 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 shooting percentage thing I, I think has to drop off at some point but um, you know you have to like what you see in just the way the way this team plays and you know, look, the biggest talk or one of the major talking points with Vancouver coming into the season was the blue line. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the way Philip Horonic has played for this team, uh, what, what a major surprise. And it's just kind of allowed everybody else to do their thing because, you know, we were wondering who was going to play with Quinn Hughes and they bring in Susie and they bring in Cole. and the, Look, uh, I mean, I know I said it. You know, th- these are guys that will help help the penalty kill. They make life tough on the opponent, but they really don't have a second pairing defenseman. But, um, you know, those guys have all played well, and and Tyler Myers has played better, and, you know, they get in some guy from uh, Calgary. uh, I think you, you know, Mm. um, know, they bring him the door off. Yeah, not not sure. So uh, you you like the roster, and then you have to believe, just because it's Jim Rutherford, uh, that they're going to add. And so is it Jake Gensel? You know, that, you know, you, that, that's the hot name, but they're going to add somewhere. They're going to, they're going to go for it. You would have to think with this roster right now and where they're at, that they're going.
0: for Yeah. It. Canucks Twitter is all about Joel Erickson, Eck of the wild. Yeah, you, uh, Gensel's been mm-hmm. uh, mentioned. I know, uh, Rick Dollywall on, uh, on, on their show He Rick and, and Don mm-hmm. Taylor on their show. Dollywall was talking TANF again. Uh, you, you, uh, you get the feeling that the the Canucks are absolutely going to try to capitalize on this ridiculous season they're having. I'm just curious to see to what extent they're willing to capitalize because, to their credit, they've got the building blocks. and And I, I don't know what's going to yeah. happen with Elias, uh, Elias Pedersen and whether or not he's going to sign long term or not. Probably still happens, but with Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko, they've, as much as it pains us here to say it, they've got the Building blocks for a cup contender to build around. And here they are. They've got Miller having his year. They've got Roenick having his year. Uh, some other, you know, Bo Horvat and uh, not Bo Horvat, um, Brock Besser. And, and the, yeah. the, the the years that some of these guys are having, yeah, it feels like it's almost a guarantee they're going to make a big time splash or two between now and March 8th.
2: Yeah, no, no question. I was talking to a, a Swedish reporter at the Kings game on Monday night who sat down with Pedersen and, and he's been close with him for a number of years. And he, he, he said to me, you know, don't, don't be concerned. This is getting done. He's in no rush to sign right now. I mean, it, it may take a while, but he said he's not going anywhere. Okay.
0: Uh, Get out of here, JD. Great stuff. As always, yeah. my friend, and uh, we'll do it again next Wednesday. Hey,
2: always will be here for you, Pat. Thanks for having me. That's very heartwarming.
0: Uh, bye JD. Thank you, pal. Uh, Jonathan Davis is our Pacific Division insider. He joins us every Wednesday, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio, spinning us around the Pacific Division inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op, shop online or in store today. As we start to wrap up this hour, moving towards a Thursday night game between the Flames and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Wes, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. But uh, Johnny Gaudreau plays for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That, that may be a talking point on Thursday's program. I, on, on one of our 2 p.m. hours on the Flames Talk podcast Thursday, I bet you Johnny Gaudreau's name comes up.
1: That's uh, all I'm saying. Do you mean to tell me, Pat, that with Eric Branson coming back to the Saddle Dome tomorrow, there might be someone stealing that spotlight?
0: Maybe. I, I, can't, I can't guarantee it. Now, I'll say this. First, what do we kick off the hour talking about? Oliver Shillington. Yeah. If Oliver Shillington's playing Thursday, Man, sorry that Johnny. Would be cool. Johnny's gonna love that.
1: Do you uh, think? You think there's any bad blood left over from Rasmus Anderson's? At- I was thinking that on on Tuesday. Yeah. The line over. is
0: still out, I believe. Yeah. I leaned over and I, I spoke with I, I said to Logan and Matty Rose who were watching beside me on yeah. Tuesday. night, I said, "Someone gonna fight? Like, is Rasmus Anderson gonna have to fight on on Thursday night?" I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I don't think... Goodbranson is tough as nails, but he's also very sharp. Goodbranson knows that he's not fighting Rasmus Anderson. No. But is Boone Jenner fighting Rasmus Anderson? He, is, he, is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that will be a
1: curious one, won't it?
0: And I think Rasmus is smart enough, too, to know that there's probably a bell to be answered.
1: You know, when you mentioned smart enough, I sat and had a great chat with Rasmus Anderson today and <clears throat> never even thought to ask well, he's the smart one. That's what I mean. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not that smart.
0: I, I definitely have wondered that. Because you know, yeah. Rasmus and, and Rasmus took the suspension. They, they appealed, but he ended up, was it four games that he ended up getting the suspension for? Was it four?
1: Yes. Yeah, four, four games. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, Rasmus took the suspension. Yeah. And
1: uh, the huh.
0: NHL upheld the suspension.
1: Yeah. Um, he missed the Heritage Classic as a result. Line A was out for a while. Yep. Yeah. Came back, now injured again. Curious Could to be see. some
0: spice down there tomorrow. They were not happy about that in
1: Columbus even mm, after the suspension. No, no so. they were not.
0: Uh, that'll do it for the hour. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. See you Thursday morning at uh, Morning Skate with lots of things to keep an eye on. Uh, Our producers this hour, Shan Virji and Azam Nanji. Thank you, boys. That'll do it for this hour. It's been the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com slash doors.